Well, <clears throat> with all that being said, it's time to move into a new sermon series. And in this new sermon series, here's the thing. Whenever I'm studying and preparing, I try to go to the experts. I try to go uh, to others who maybe preached on this or, or theologians. And obviously, you start in God's Word and you go from there, right? But I thought, you know what? I'm going to get some extra help on this one. So I, I sought out a little help and I researched about our next uh, sermon series. Our next sermon series is called You Are Loved. Oh, yeah, You Are Loved. So who can I find help concerning this topic of love? So I went right to the best. A survey of kids ages 6 to 9 to help me out. And so the questions were asked, and these kids helped me out with what love is. How can you tell if two adults are eating dinner at a restaurant and are in love? Here's the answer. Just see if the man picks up the check. That's how you can tell he's in love, right? But I love what Christine said. She goes, it's love if they order one of those desserts that are on fire. Yes. They like to order those because it's just like their hearts are on fire. Good observation. I'm just thinking, I see a dessert on fire. I know my, my wallet's on fire because I was paying a lot for that dessert. So. Anyway, what most people are thinking when they say I'm in love? Well, the person is thinking, yeah, I really do love him, but I hope he showers at least once a day. <laughs> Why does love happen between two particular people? Have you ever asked that question? Well, here you go. May has the answer. No one is sure why it happens, but I heard it has something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. Absolutely. What is falling in love like? Glenn says, if falling in love is anything like learning how to spell, I don't want to do it. It takes too long. Glenn's a little anxious here. He better slow down, right? What are some surefire ways to make a person fall in love with you? Tell them you own a whole bunch of candy stores. That works every time, right? One way is to take the girl out to eat. Make sure it's something she likes to eat. French fries usually works for me, says Bart. That's good. Last one. Why do couples often hold hands? Gavin says they want to make sure their rings don't fall off because they paid good money for them. I'm sorry, one more question. How important is love? How important is love? And this is what it comes down to right here, right? Love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good too. Good answers, good answers. Well, I listen, I'm not 100% sure about all that advice, okay? But it is fun to hear different people's perspective on what love is, how do you fall in love, and all this kind of stuff, right? And uh, that, that is fun, but here's the thing. Some of you maybe had this little fear in the back of your mind back on Sunday, February 13th, the day before Valentine's. Some of you were a little fearful thinking, he's not going to talk about Jonah today. He's going to divert from the series, and he's going to talk about love because Valentine's is tomorrow, and that's what you do in church. You talk about love right before Valentine's. You're right, that would have been good, but I did not do it because I've got a whole sermon series on it that we're going to do now. See, why would you use one when I can do like six or seven, right? But here's the thing. This series about you are loved, I want you to understand this. It's about how you are loved. Because if you understand how you are loved, it will affect how you live. This isn't going to be one of those ooey, gooey, lovey, dovey sermon series, okay? 
And it's not one of those, well, I'm struggling in my relationship right now with, with, with this person, and we're going to get it fixed in this sermon series. It's not that either. And it's not that, hey, your sermon, you're single, <laughs> hang in there, you got this. Not that either, okay? It has nothing to do with any of those things. This is all about how you are loved by the God of this universe. And when you understand, like I said, it is going to change you. Because we've been talking about Jonah, justice and hell and mercy. And, and I said, yeah, God's a God of love, but he's also a God of all these other things. And we're going to circle back to that now and talk about God being a God of love. But there's a lot to it. Here's the thing. We, we, we really can't define the love of God accurately. We really can't. When we define the love of God and we try to explain to one another... It's going to be inaccurate because we are going to view God the way we have viewed how we've been loved. How did my dad love me? How did my mom love me? How has my spouse loved me? How my friends love me? When, you, when I say God loves you, the first thing that might come to your mind is how somebody around you has treated you and loved you. And so you sort of equate those two things together. And you can't. Because the God that we worship, his love is off the charts. It, it can't be compared. See, my love for you might be a vase of flowers, but God's love for you is a garden. My love for you might be a couple sentences like a poem, but God's love for you is a library. My love for you, I don't know, might say, no, 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 no. I wanna, I'm, I'm going to keep you from doing something wrong. God's love is, I'm going to push you down because I don't want you to fall off a cliff. It's, it's hard to compare that love and, and define it. But the love of God... Is beyond space. It's beyond time. It's, it's at times so limitless and yet powerful. It's holy and just at the same time, full of mercy and grace and yet so personal. How, how do we clearly define it? Well, we know this. It took 66 books divided into two sections, an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? It took 40 authors who were of various backgrounds, whether they were kings, military leaders, whether they were tax collectors, fishermen, or whether they were musicians or doctors or shepherds. And they wrote with poetry and prophecy and law and encouraging teaching and, and, and history. And it's like they brought all this together as the Spirit of God told them. And, in, and they came from three different continents using three different languages, starting in, in 1500 B.C. to 100 A.D., 1600 years all to try to help us understand that there, that there is a God who loves you. And so as you read through the Bible, it's, there, there's really one topic, and that's the redeeming love of God. And it's more than emotion. It's more than action, because, oh, love is a verb. You're right. It is an action, but it's more than that. It's the attribute. It's the very nature of God. God is love. And church, you are loved by God. What does that mean? What does that look like? So I'm going to give you some quick definitions about like how God's love, what it sort of looks like in Scripture, but then we'll give you a story, and I pray that we'll just get a little bit out of this when we leave here today, and you'll understand when we look at each other, you're loved. And we're going to build on this every week. Here's the first thing about love of God. God's love is sacrificial. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Scripture says this, If God's for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son. Think about this. God didn't spare his son. He gave him up 
for all of us. Won't he also give us everything else? See, the love of God is not brotherly. It's not erotic. It's not emotional. The love of God is sacrificial. I'm going to give up my son for you. That's the kind of love that God has for you. And he, when I say you are loved, that's a small part. Let me give you another one. God's love is holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 7. We often read that and hear that at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Sound familiar? Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs being recorded. We don't do that, do we? Oh, I remember what you did yesterday. Oops, I guess that's not love, right? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful, endures through every circumstance. You see, because God is holy, his love is holy. His love is perfect. It's flawless. It's not dependent upon my actions. It is pure. God's love has no selfishness in it. God's love has no wickedness in it. God's love has no sin in it. Compare that to a man's love that is flawed. Even, even when I'm at my best trying to love my wife, Jenny, my love is still flawed. I don't know if you've ever fallen short in showing another person love. Not you, right? Not me, right? We never fall short. We never love somebody with no strings attached, right? I'm going to love you as long as you do this for me, right? That's not God. God's love is flawless. It is pure. It is holy. God's love is also limitless. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, it says this. When I think of all this, I fall on my knees as I pray to the Father. Verse 15 says, He was the creator of everything in heaven and earth. And I pray that from his glorious, listen to this, from his glorious unlimited resources, that's God, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Now listen to this next part of the verse. And may you have the power to understand of all God's people how wide how long, how high, and how deep his love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ so it's too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, God's love is transcendent. It is superior. It is above all things. That is God's love. You can't measure it. You can't understand it. It's different from everything else in all creation. Measurable and with incomprehensible and understanding and overflowing to whom it is available. And, and I was trying to think, what would be a good picture to show all of you to help you understand this limitless love of God? And then I saw a picture and I said, it's close. And I thought of this. It's like water that's cascading. It's, it's coming from a source, a river, right? And then it flows over to a waterfall, another waterfall, another waterfall, into one pool, into another pool, into another pool. That's God's love. His love is, is never ending. It keeps flowing and flooding and flowing and flooding. Can't measure it. 
There's no way possible. And the Apostle Paul says, I pray, church, that you experience this kind of love. I pray you just get swallowed up in it, right? Here's another thing about God's love. God's love is tenacious. I like that word, tenacious. Reminds me of a, like a bulldog. I don't know if anybody's got a pet bulldog or maybe you've had that kind of dog that you're playing with it and maybe you have a rope and you, it's, it's clamped on. Bulldogs is a clamp on that and you go to pull up that rope and then it's like, and it's still holding on to it and you can sort of pick the bulldog all the way up off the ground if it's a smaller one, right? And it's like, he is tenacious. He will not let go. That's the love of God. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, tell a story about the prodigal son. There's a, there's a younger son and an older son. And dad says, I love you both. But the younger says, dad, I know you love me, but can I have all my stuff? And I'm going to take off and live crazy-like, right? And he does. And the older son stays home, and he's faithful, and he works, and he's a, he's a good son, right? And then the younger son spends everything, and he ends up, you know, just broke and broken. And he comes home. And dad welcomes him home. And, it's, and, it, and the older son's like, I don't get it. How can you love him? He, it's because God's love is tenacious. I know what you've done, and I still love you. Sometimes, church, listen, we make errors. We make mistakes. Sometimes we just flippantly disregard all authority. When, here's the thing. When we mess up, when we realize, you know what, that person who's in authority, I have, I've walked away from them, I've, I've, I've snubbed them, whatever. They have every right to yell at us. If it's my coach, he has every right to bench me. If it's my teacher, she has every right to give me a bad grade. If it's my parent, I have every right to be grounded. Because when I snub authority, I deserve what's coming my way. And here's the thing. God is the ultimate authority. And we have snubbed him multiple times. We have, we have walked against his direction. We have disobeyed. We have erred. We have sinned, as the Bible calls it, missing the mark. He has every right and authority to bring whatever he wants down upon us. He does. Yet he still loves us. Because God's love is tenacious. God's love is also trustworthy. Psalm 100, verses 1 to 5 says this, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Isn't that what we did this morning? We start off this morning singing, and we sing what? He made us. We are his. He goes on to say, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. For the Lord is good. Now listen, why are we praising him? Why are we singing songs to God? Here it comes. His unfailing love continues forever. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness reaches to each generation. God's love never fails, right? I, I'm, I'm reading through this like his, his unfailing love continues forever. No, wait, wait, it continues for a couple of days, right? I prayed that prayer. Jesus came into my life. I'm a Christian now. He loves me. But the next week, I don't feel that Christian thing going on, right? Because he doesn't love me anymore, right? No, no, no. His unfailing love is forever. From generation to generation. How about from just the one generation, right? No, no, no. From generation to generation. Yesterday, uh, we were in Indiana at my uncle's funeral. And 
my aunt had asked me to do the funeral. So I'm standing in front of my uncle's casket, and there's family, brothers and sisters and siblings and cousins. And, and, and I'm looking generation, generation, generation. And, and my grandfather was a pastor, and, 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 and the heritage of Christianity in our, in our family runs pretty deep and pretty long. From generation to generation, I'm so thankful for that. And I look at scripture and it says, his unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. And I can look and say, praise God that generation gets it. Praise God that generation gets it. But then I'm worried about some generations that have turned off listening to God, have rejected the love of God. And then I'm sitting there going, his unfailing love continues forever. Even though we maybe walk away, even though we don't see it, God's love never fails. It never stops. Now, here's the thing. Last week, I was, I was supposed to be gone out of town. Jenny and I were going to go out of town. We ended up being in town. And so some people are like, well, were you sick? Is that why you didn't preach? Like, no, I, Brian needs to preach every now and then. I need to have somebody else fill the pulpit every now and then because you don't need to hear me every Sunday because like, it gets old. So, you, you know, fresh voice, new perspective, different style. You guys get that, right? Because Brian's up here and he's like, yes means yes, no means no. Okay, how many? And everybody's raising their hands. And I'm sitting in the back and I'm, all I see is Mike Fogarty's hand goes up every second. And it's like, hey, how about the rest of you? Is Mike the only one in here? It's like, sorry, Mike. But that's sort of the way it worked, man. You're, you're like, hey, he said raise his hand. I raised my hand. So, Here's the thing. So I don't normally do that. I'm like, turn to the person next to you and say, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, blah, blah, blah. Right? That's Rex. Okay. I'm going to make you do something today. I'm going to pull a little bit of Brian on you. Okay? I'm going to need I'm gonna need you to help me out with this. You guys remember the game Red Rover? You're like, we're going to play Red Rover? Can I pick teams right now? All right? I'm looking at Derek right there. And I'm thinking, Derek, I want you on my team, man. I'm going to tell you why. Because when I was elementary, I had two games that I was really good at. Okay, because you need to remember, I was like four foot nothing and a, and a hundred and a lot, okay? Um, when, you, when you're like 110 pounds in first grade and then 160 in sixth grade, I mean, you just need... Anyway, so King of the Hill, that was one of my games. Red Rover was my other game, right? Hey, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Rex on over. Oh, yeah, I'll bust those on. Little kids can't hold me, right? And then here's the other thing. Then you grab on tight. If you remember this game, you got two lines of people. You have like a death grip on the people's hands next to you. And you're holding on tight because somebody, you're going to call that person. They're going to come running between. They're going to try to break apart your hands. But you're going to hold on super tight so they don't break apart your hands. If they don't break apart my hand from my buddy's hand over here, you're on our team. Get in line. Yes, we don't want to have more people than you. If you break through my line, they get to pull whoever they want with them back to their team. So, man, we got these death grips on each other's hands, right? It's like, nobody's getting through. Nobody's getting through. Hold tight. Freedom. You know, before Braveheart, there was Red Rover, okay? And so we're holding on tight and everything. We're all excited, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture that game, but I want to picture how we're going to play with God. We're going to play Red Rover with God today. He's on your team. So this is going to be awesome, right? Okay? So what I need you to do, I need everybody to stand. I need everybody to stand. All right? If you can stand, stand up. And if you can't stand, stand up. Okay? And here's the deal. If uh, the person next to you, this is where, this is where I'm going to leave this totally up to you. I'm not going to force anybody to do anything. Okay? But I would like you to grab hands with the person next to you. If you're uncomfortable with holding the person's hand next to you, like, I don't know them. I'm new at this church, and they're making me hold somebody's hand. This is the weirdest thing I've ever done. You do not have to hold hands with the person next to you. I'll give you that freedom, okay? But if you are by yourself and you have no hands to hold, then you're going to have to do this for me. you got to at least pretend you're holding somebody's hand, okay? Because I'm going to do that. 
If I'm going to do that, you can do that, okay? So here's what we're going to do, though. We're going to grab hands, and we're going to pretend we're playing Red Rover with God. And I want you to hear the scripture. Listen very carefully, okay? Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Remember, God's got you, right? Okay? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or we're hungry or we're destitute or we are in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for the sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. But no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Okay, you ready? You guys hold on tight. I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love. Neither death, nice try, nor life, ain't happening, right? Neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. (laughs) Nice try, Satan. Not separated, right? It goes on to say this, no power in the sky above or the earth below can separate us from God's love. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys see how this Red Rover game works with God? We win every time. You cannot be separated from God's love. He's got a grip on you. You can have a seat. Thank you for playing. Some of you were, some of you were worried. You're like, am I got to run through somewhere? <laughs> nah, it was, it was all running your direction, and, and you did great, man. God's love will not let you go. That's what I love about the power of God's love. As you picture the love of God gripping you firmly, you may think, I'm not strong enough to hold on to God. We all feel that way. Like, I just I have, I have a hard time loving God. He has no problem loving you. Not one bit. This is God. This is the God who loves you, right? This is the God who is, says, I've got a sacrificial, holy, limitless, tenacious, and powerful, trustworthy love. That is my love for you. So when I say you are loved by God, that's the kind of love that is being poured out on you. Has, you can't even compare it to a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, parent, grandparent, grandparents, you know, um, as someone said, the grandparents coming in with the grandkids, it's like, oh, you're sugaring them up this week, aren't you? I mean, because grandparents love the grandkids, you know, sugar them up, send them home, right? Uh, that's the way it works. Can't compare to the love of God. It just, it just can't. Now open up your Bibles to Luke 15. I know I've been reading a lot of scriptures, so now you get to read too. Luke chapter 15. I've briefly, briefly described the love of God. Now let's get a glimpse of it in action. Jesus is sort of like, I'm, I'm trying to tell you how much I love you all. Let me just tell you a story. He was a great storyteller, wasn't he? So Jesus says this in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 3. He says, so Jesus told him the story. If a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that lost it? he lost until he finds it? Verse 5. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't even strayed. What a unique story that Jesus tells. And then as I heard this story not too long ago, and I went back over it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, this is, this is the love of God. 
th- this story. You look at it, and it's like, let's, let's put ourselves in this situation, okay? You've got a hundred sheep. One sheep just wanders off. What are you going to do about it? I mean, me, a numbers guy, I've got 99%. 99% pretty good. I'm, I'm okay with 99%. See, there's 300 chairs in this sanctuary. If 99% of the chairs are filled, that's 297 people. 297 people in the first service, 200 people in 97 people in the second service. I am okay with that. Matter of fact, I'm walking out of here saying, like, praise God, we had a full house. God is good. And you know what God's like? He had three open seats. That one sheep wasn't there. I love you, church. You go ahead and keep worshiping. But I'm going to go find that one that wandered off. I I love you, but I love that one that wandered off. I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, that's the good shepherd. Yeah, he cares about the 99, but he also loves the one that wandered away. And then you have to ask yourself that question. How did that sheep get lost? I mean, seriously. Do you ever think about that? You're with a big herd, 100, and you're like, you just start walking in a different way, and you're just, hey, where am I at? Oh, there's the herd. I guess I'll just keep walking this way. How, how did they end up on his own? How did he get lost? We're like, that never makes any sense to me. But then I have to ask this question. What draws people away from the church? Why do people wander away from their faith? What is it that is so good, that's grabbing our attention, that's so much more important than worshiping God? It doesn't make sense to me either. Why would that one sheep leave the herd? I don't know. Why, why do people walk away from the church or walk away from that? I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that. For some reason, we've, we've forgotten that we are loved. And for some reason, we suddenly think, you know what? God's love is not good enough for me. I need another love to fulfill me. I need some other kind of pleasure to make me feel good because I guess I'm not getting it from God. So I might as well go somewhere else and spend my time somewhere else instead of being with the herd. Listen, church, Satan is our spiritual opponent, okay? Everybody, everybody knows that, right? The enemy, he's a good strategist. He knows how to lure and tempt. He whispers doubt into your ears. He will, he will, he will shove you know, fear into your heart. He'll tell you, hey, don't hang out with the herd. I mean, seriously, that, they are not cool. They're not cool people. And, and really, the grass is greener on the other side. So just wander off. Do it your way. I mean, we're, we're pretty good with that too, right? We think we got it. I don't need other Christians. I hear that often. I don't need the church. I don't need other Christians. I don't need the herd. I can survive on my own. Do you guys remember, this is the older generation, Frank Sinatra who sang the song, I did it my way. Yeah, I hear that often. I don't need advice. I can do it myself. Leave me alone. I got this. I'm, I can be that way at times. I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I got it, right? Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All of us are like sheep. We have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. 
Mm, makes sense. Now, I don't watch Dr. Phil, but I've heard Dr. Phil say, and how's that working for you, right? I mean, seriously, how is, it, how is it working for us when we think we can do it our own? How are you doing with controlling your own moods? How are you doing with controlling your spending and your love for power or lust or money? How are you at keeping peace with everyone? How are you doing with forgiving people that are hard to forgive? Listen, we're, we're not perfect. We're going to mess up. And I think we know the answer to all those questions. This is why God chooses that picture of the good shepherd and the sheep. Because he knows we wander and we need a shepherd to help us. I love that, that picture of the good shepherd, right? Because he notices when we wander. He knows every single thing about us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our flaws. And he still loves us. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8 says this. When we were utterly helpless, there's that lost sheep, right? Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. That's all of us. Just put your name in there. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love, there it is, for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. God knows everything about us, but he says, you know what? I know everything about you. I know your weaknesses. I know you're wandering and all that. But I love you. And I will, I will hunt for you. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave the 99. I love the 99. But there's one who's wandered. I'll give up my son for that one. I gave up my son for the 99. I'll give up my son for that one. And I think about this. There's many who will not come to church. There's many who have walked away from the church. And so let me ask you, church, would you welcome them back? Did you notice the shepherd doesn't yell at the lost sheep? Did you, did you notice that? Because there's the other thing about the attitude of the shepherd. He isn't like, oh... Lost another one. I'm so going to beat that sheep when I find it, you know. And so I'm going out in the middle of the night and going through thickets and brush and stepping in stuff and looking for that dumb sheep. And when he finds a sheep, he like kicks it. Stupid sheep. Come on. Get back. Get back. He doesn't do that, does he? Listen, I grew up on a farm. We had pigs get out every now and then. We had to chase that lost pig through a cornfield or a bean field. And I'm going to... I'm going to not say proudly admit, but I will confess, I did not carry that pig over my shoulders. Hey, you boy, let's go back to the pen. <laughs> you know, you know, it was stupid pig. Come on, come on. You know, there's. I don't think I said anything bad. I thought a lot of probably bad stuff, but it was not a warm welcome back for that lost pig. But when you look at this story, this is God. He's like, I found that lost one. Come on, he puts him over his shoulders. I love this picture. He carries him back home. And then it says, he went out, hey, I found my lost sheep. Come on over, we're having a party. And they're like, what? So, and you know, the neighbors are coming over there. Two in the morning, it's like, he found his sheep or something. I don't know. They walk in and there's a, there's a table with a cake and there's a sheep sitting in a chair with a little party hat on. It's like, hey, Alfred's back. You called me over here for that. I'm going home. You know. But it's like, when you look at the story, it's like, that's what he did. He, he called everybody together. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. The sheep that was lost is gone. And it's like, hey, church, when somebody comes back to church and you haven't seen in a while, how do we treat them? Hey, good to see you again. Are we excited to see people we haven't seen in a while? 
How are we doing with that? I, I, I love how, how God's like, this is how I want you to do it because I'm telling you right now, this is how we rejoice in heaven. This is Jesus telling us, this is how we rejoice in heaven. When one person comes to know the Lord, we throw a party in heaven. Do you guys remember what heaven's like? Streets of gold, no tears. There's rejoicing. Matter of fact, the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they're bound before the Lord. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, somebody came to know the Lord. Party! And they, they interrupt maybe for a moment of worshiping God just to celebrate you coming to know Jesus. How are we doing with celebration? Next Sunday, we got somebody getting baptized. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see more baptisms more often and, and more people come to know the Lord. But sometimes maybe we're so focused on the 99, we forget about the one. See, that's the love of God. God says, my love is holy. It's limitless. It's trustworthy. It's tenacious. And I love you all, even the one that isn't here today. And I'm willing to leave the 99. I love you. But I'm willing to leave that. 99, to go find that one. Because I love them. And then we look at this and, and we say, and that is the love that God has for us. He loves you. He left the 99 for you, by the way. Did you know that? There was a point in time when everyone in this room did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somehow you came to know the Lord. And in that moment, I hope you understand, he left the 99 for you. He died for you. That's his love. And now he's saying, I love you. I love you. Would you please take that love to other people as well? If there's somebody not here today, go take it to them. Even if it's somebody that's like, well, they don't go to this church, they go to another church, but they stop going to that church, go reach out to them. And maybe they'll go back to the church where they were at. It doesn't have to be about this church. Church, listen very carefully. I love True North, Okay. How this church started many years ago is, is a miracle, okay? And we are here, we are here. Does everybody have to come to this church? No, no. There's a lot of great churches out there. They don't have to come to this one. But what, matter, what matters to me is that they come to the Lord. They need to know Jesus. And we've got God's love. So let's share it with them. Worship team, would you come forward, please? When I look through Scripture, and I'm thinking about what God's got prepared for us. It says, Jesus said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If that were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I will come and I will get you so you will always be where I am. Listen, Jesus resurrected. He ascended from the earth 2,000 years ago and we're still waiting for him to come back. We don't know when he's going to come back so we just better be ready, right? But here's the thing. He's been preparing a place for us in eternity. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Revelation 7 says, There will never again be hunger or thirst. We will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. Good, I'm tired of sunburns, right? For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. Oh, there's our good shepherd. And he will lead us to springs of life-giving water. There's our refreshment. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's the peace we need. And he's preparing this place for us. You know why? Because he loves you. Do you know the love of God? Oh, he's got a grip on you. Nothing can separate you from his love. Do you love him? Will you live for him? Will you let others know? Would you stand, please? 
Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. Thank you, God, for loving us. We are wandering sheep at times. I don't know why we stray, but we just do. And that doesn't make sense to me. We just do. But you still love us, and you, you, you look for us. And sometimes we, sometimes we see it coming, and we just run a little bit harder. But oftentimes we get to that point in our life where we hit rock bottom, and we're like, thank you for picking me up because I was lost. And we all know that feeling of what it's like to be lost and to be found. It's such a good feeling. God, thank you for finding us and for loving us. So God, now I ask by your spirit just to empower us to love others. To love others with the love that you've given us. God, we want to sing to you now. God, we want to worship you in song. Hear our voices, our prayer, our singing, our love for you. In our name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.